Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Luz Cannon. We are nearing the end of the Alice Cooper journey, a tour through the entire discography. Era number six, the modern era. But before we get into this, I want to let everybody know out there, this is not the Alice Cooper show. (laughs) Cobras and Fire is not always doing Alice Cooper episodes, so we really appreciate everybody that's come into the show new. We've got thousands of new lessons over the course of this series, and we hope you stick around. We hope you check out the archives. We have tons of great podcast gold episodes. 
We have an in-person interview with Bruce Kulik. We've got two shows on Guns N' Roses about the reunion. We've got one on a Motley Crue chaos concert um, situation that Baca went through. And again, just the main focus of the of the show is tons of great new new music. So we've got a lot of um, episodes focused on just that, and we'll have some of those coming up right after this episode too. Another thing, if you haven't already, while we have seen a lot of new people on our Facebook page, go to our Facebook page. It's just 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 type in Cobras and Fire; it'll pop right up. There's no other page that has a silly name like that. So once you get there. You know, just like us, and also right on the top of the page is a campaign we have with Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And basically, it's a way you can just donate a couple bucks to the show. Helps cover our server costs. That's all we're looking for, not making any money. We do this just out of out of uh, our complete obsession with music. So if you can, that'd be really be appreciated. Or you can do a review. Just go to iTunes, give us five stars. You can call it sprawling, self-indulgent. It really doesn't matter. Just end it with five stars. Now, let's get into the episode. We are covering Eyes of Alice Cooper, Dirty Diamonds, Along Came a Spider, Nightmare 2, and Ending with Hollywood Vampires. Because, yeah, that doesn't say it's an Alice Cooper album, but come on. It's an Alice Cooper album with a bunch of guest stars. And wasn't that pretty much trash and hey stupid? So let's kick it off with the Hollywood Vampire song. And that is I Got a Line on You off that album, which is an updated version and I think a much superior version to the one that came out in the 80s on the Iron Eagle 2 soundtrack, one of Baco's favorite soundtracks. So here's I Got a Line on You by Hollywood Vampires. Take you, baby, down to the riverbed 
All right, so we are now to the. This is the final era, isn't it? Yeah, I call it the the modern era. Just yeah, the, mo- the modern era, and so it starts off with uh, Alice's return to kind of his his throwback to garage ish sounds off of Eyes of Alice Cooper and Dirty Diamonds. You would say they're sister albums, right? Absolutely. And then we go to his spider, long came spider. Spider. spider, and then and then uh, finally uh, Welcome to Number Two. Your nightmare. So why mm-hmm. don't um, I know you have a lot of love for from hearing some of your some of your episodes before? Why don't you kick it off with with kind of going over Eyes of Alice Cooper and, and Dirty Diamonds? If you're talking about me, then I'm talking to I, you, Joey, I would love to go ahead. Uh, it's it's great. One of the mainstays of Alice's band over the years, uh, this guy Ryan Roxy had a. Uh, you can tell because he's a glam rock fan and a garage punk kind of guy. Great guy from Sweden. Massive influence on the songwriting. He's one of those guys that you can tell definitely grew up listening to Alice. And I think I believe that he understands Alice's best stuff. Uh, so I give him a lot of credit on these two albums. One of Alice's best lineups on record, uh, I think, ever. Uh, after you know, As a solo band, of course, not the original band. You can't touch the original band. And like I said, singers on this record... Uh, it it, go, it gets back to everything that's great about Alice. You got your garage stuff. You got your scary stuff. You know, this house is haunted. Represents that. Um, only one bad song on the record, "Backyard Brawl." Everything else on that record is is damn near genius. Uh, between high school and old school, it's kind of eh. We'll go with that. So, um, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Dirty Diamonds. Dirty Diamonds. I think it's kind of like. Uh, over the years, it, it it kind of is almost getting to the point where it outweighs the eyes of Alice Cooper as a favorite from out of those two. But I think I like them very equally, and those are two great Alice Cooper records. I highly recommend those two albums, especially. This is like going back and everything. And I would say definitely of these two, because you just talked about a lot of it, um, that Eyes is is my favorite out of the two of Dirty Diamonds, because there's a few ones I don't like it on it. But but I really like this album a lot. And I would say, um, well, I'll just leave it there. But Between High School and Old School is a great one, too. Um, I like it's it a lot. The, it's, the, it's the modern love it to death when you really think about it, because... Yeah. Love It to Death is very basic in its approach. It's not too much of a macabre record, but Ballad of Dwight Fry and Black Juju, you're like, ooh, okay. Right. And and that it takes a couple of steps like that at Eyes of Alice Cooper. They're very similar albums as far as their approach, and I think that was a conscious effort, but huh. uh, that's really one of the best uh, reviews I can give about it. Yeah. the I, I think it was three songs too long. Should have been ten songs. Yeah. Like I said, take out Backyard Brawl. and uh, I'm So Angry. I'm sure Oh yeah, that's not very good. Detroit yeah. City is super fun. No, Wayne, I don't, Cram- no. Wayne Kramer. That's, Wayne Kramer's on that. Series. I hear you. Detroit City. Allison Cooper should not have a song called Detroit City, even though he's from Detroit. But it's just the, the fact I was like, "What? He's a fucking song called Detroit City." Almost Detroit Rock City. This is 
not a good idea. And it's I don't like all the you know the whole yeah the lyric the lyrics are hokey, lyrics but are, the it's the, for me it's the music on that. The guitars I, are, yeah. are smoking in the horn section. I love it. Spirits so. rebellious is a definitely a different sounding song on the album. But I like a lot. It's it's, it's good. It's good. I, I cut I cut uh, I cut a few, but it's but what's good on there I like a lot. You know, I um, I don't care for this era. I, I really don't. Um, I, 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 the Eyes of Alice Cooper is probably the better of the of the two records we're talking about right now, um, because I don't know, for, almost for the reasons Joey. I'm just going to piggyback on what you were saying, but I, I like the song between high school and old school, and I thought Novocaine was a good song. Novocaine's brilliant. <laughs> Kiss me, I don't feel anything 
in general, these next, I don't know, three releases, four releases don't do a whole lot for me. I'll, I'll let you guys peek behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, I mentioned earlier um, how big of a fan my wife is. For this era, I let her pick the record and the song. Okay, so, we hit it. All right. Uh, she picked Along Came a Spider and uh, Between High School and Old School. Wow. <laughs> I, song, I, song, I'm fine with. Why don't we just? Uh, why don't you just show your hand? Uh, I'll show mine and, and see if I was right with my guess. When "Along Came a Spider" came out, the pre-stuff that when they put out. Um, Wait, that, should I give her give you her reasons a little bit? Yeah, go ahead, please. That's yeah, better. Okay, she really oh, liked yeah. the story of it. Um, uh, she she's into the conceptual stuff from uh, the post original band. You know, like uh, "Welcome to My Nightmare," the original one. Um, and with the whole serial killer angle, I just thought it was, she enjoyed listening to it, I guess. Concept. It sounds like you guys are going to shred her, but <laughs> I, I, and by the way, go ahead. Uh, not, not uh, her, not her. No, the, uh, all, all due respect, right? Yes. All, all, due, respect. all due respect. Yeah, all due respect. Which is what you say, uh, right before you <laughs> disagree with somebody. Like, like, uh, I, I can't remember what it was. When <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody yeah, says, uh, you're going to insult somebody. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> the, but the other one is, I think it was Kirby. No offense. Kirby, no, Kirby Enthusiasm is goes, with that said, as soon as you say with that said, <laughs> that's when you blast somebody. Yeah. It's <laughs> a transition. Um, but no, the, the how this breaks down is, and, and I, I definitely want to hear what Joey has to say about this too, is that the concept, I was glad it was a concept. It was a crazy-ass concept, legs, adding it to somebody, whatever. But but what what it, what happened? All that first off, the packaging's fucking awesome. That the album's great. The the video came out. Um, Vengeance is mine, which is no okay video, but it's like okay, Slash is on it. It's no okay which song. Which are we talking about now? Um, Vengeance oh, is mine. From along came a spider. Along came a spider. Okay. And then I hit play, and <laughs> both, both his voice was off. The music was lazy. I tried to listen to it a couple times. There is absolutely not a single fucking song. And, and by the way, there I can't remember what it was. It was a random movie. had Alice Cooper in it. It was like a vampire movie. I think it was called Sucked or Suck. Yeah. Uh, suck. Okay, Suck. And, and I was like, oh, they're going to feature an Alice Cooper song on this. And they featured the title track, the, the <laughs> spider one on the credits. And I was like, holy fuck. I cannot believe that they're playing this. This is so bad. So it was really bad. It was... I don't, so I'm going to hand it to Joey, but everything about this seemed like it was going to be awesome. But then, then the product was not to me. We, we have a very similar journey. I think that's why we're very like-minded, Luce. Uh, so I'm looking behind me here without getting off mic. There's a, uh, there's a discography shrine for both Kiss and Alice Cooper in my studio. With every CD release, let's say domestic, a lot of comps, box set, the lunchbox, both rows represent those things. Toys and all the records. DVDs. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, okay? Along Came a Spider is not on this row. <laughs> it is one of the very few albums that I've ever sold back, ever, in my lifetime. Somebody actually took it back? Yeah, you you know. don't actually own it? I, I do not even feel the need to own it. It's just everything that is not everything that's not Alice. Alice is creative. Alice is original. And like I said, even when he rips off people or he seems to rip off people, he can he puts his own stamp on it. He's creative about it. I I, I don't even want to spend as much breath on that fucking record. That I'll finish. I'll finish awful. it with this. I'll finish with this. That, that with the, that is that I actually got. I, I didn't even sell it back. I tossed it. 
I tossed that fucker. Good for you. And, Good for and, you. And I did it because I thought if it was in my uh, collection, that it would slowly spread like a virus and turn all my other music fucking horrible. Yeah, by that time, that <laughs> reveal, by the time of the reveal, I was just sitting there so fucking bored. And like I said, the marketing yeah. was amazing. The packaging is great. They had a freaking Alice Cooper pinball. He redid, they redid the, the website and did all the... Yeah, the, um, that, I just remember a thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on from this, but I do remember something funny, and that is where he went and did uh, Welcome to My Nightmare, that he presented the fact he wanted to do, he wanted to do like two sequels to this album, <laughs> yes, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bob Anderson's like, Bob Anderson's like, I think you should get rid of that idea. We're going to do yeah. something else. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Thank God. We love you, Bob. I'm a little tired and feeling hazy. I just need to rest my eyes. But I won't go to sleep because it's crazy what happens to me in the night. Cause when I go too deep into my slumber, ugly faces, awful places, I don't want to go. No. nightmare i'll just summarize it with this too this was also a disappointment for me it wasn't as much and part of the disappointment is that this album is way too long um it has for me uh, not to keep going on a negative standpoint but the it has some of like you said that that throw my gorilla is one of your um yeah. most most hated songs the double shot of i have to even look at uh, disco bloodbath Disco Boogie Bloodbath Bath and and Ghouls Gone Wild. Oh yeah, almost 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 finished me. I love that at first, even though it has the ridiculous um, what do you call that? The uh, T Pain shit on the, on I am I am made you. The uh, oh yeah, the auto auto tuning. I like I'm not I made of you. Not a good I do idea. too. I do too. I don't like the auto tune part, but the solo by um, Wagner is it Wagner or Hunter? Hunter. I agree with what you're saying. Hunter Hunter plays on a lot of this. Yeah, that's yeah, a great Wagner, song. Wagner only co-wrote the ballad. He didn't. I don't think he played on it. In the beginning I was just a shadow In the beginning I was alone In the beginning I was blind Living in a world devoid of light In the beginning There was only night I was shattered Left in
I think it's funny too is it takes four songs for them to even get to a nightmare because it goes like yeah. he's he's basically I don't know even know what I am made of you is really then he all of a sudden he's drinking some coffee fucking has a nightmare then he's on a runaway train then he's the last man on earth runaway the, train is brilliant the reunion song. song that's song. everything I wanted yeah runaway train was great last man on earth is interesting yeah, um, fun at least it's got that some folks thing going on I don't know why my whole world can't 
crashing down I just woke up in lonely town I opened up my eyes And much to my surprise Look at this heaven that I found Don't need to care about tomorrow Congregation, right. I'll bet your face off is okay. Great, great Stones riff, but it's kind of goofy. Um, after that, I basically like when hell comes home, and that's it. Oh, you ready for some shock radio? I know you're going to say what baby wants. I like what baby wants. I do not. What baby wants is I like is, what baby wants too. You do? Wow. Thank okay. you. Yeah, Baco. I think yeah. I actually think this is an okay record. I, yeah. I just don't um, like those three songs that you mentioned. Everything else, I can. I'm totally fine with. Yeah, but I seen what's hiding underneath. You like my pretty mouth, but you got razor blades instead of teeth. And now it's too, too late for you. Oh yeah, tell me what you're gonna do. I'm gonna drain your veins and bathe in your blood, honey. I've seen worse than you. Way better reveal than Along Came a Spider, too. I mean, I kind of expected <laughs> it, but I was like, oh, okay. Well, they, they basically, they ended it, you know. they There's not going to be a th- part three. Good. Right, right. That's fine. I That's was fine. 
I was at the point where I thought Alice couldn't actually sing anymore. His singing so is really like good he, on this. The difference yeah, between this and, and and Spider is is staggering. Well, like, that uh, tour also distant trash there's, there's, is, is uh, like uh, it's a huge leap. You know what I mean? He doesn't do that tacking kind of stuff. Yeah, he actually I, I think he might have had throat surgery between those two albums because even when you watch the Theater of Death tour, which is a great set list and a fun Doesn't watch, sound that good. But his voice is not very good, and I think between those two records, I think he has had the throat surgery because it really does sound okay. like it. guys well uh, we're coming to the near the end of the journey here and hope everybody listening has, has had a good time um, the entire 
discography we went through. So my favorite from the last uh, era is going to be Eyes of Alice Cooper. And the song I'm going to pick is. Definitely, obviously, you know, <laughs> from like a five minute ramp, the spider. So I'll pass it to uh, Baco. Well, um, when you initially put it out, you had Welcome to My Nightmare 2 kind of as a separate entity. If I, I did, know that was yeah. included with it, yeah. because I actually enjoy that record as opposed to the other ones we talked about, largely for things we already talked about. Sure. And on that one, I like I Am Made of You. Uh, my least favorite, I don't know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, Joey. <laughs> Um, no need to say anything about least favorite. We know what that is. Uh, but you picked Eyes of Alice Cooper loose. Uh, I got to give it up for Dirty Diamonds. I think they're kind of neck and neck right now with me. I think there's some great songwriting on there. Once again, give it up for Ryan Roxy. Him and Alice work very well together. I talked with Ryan last year at the headline show, and I was like, please write some more songs. Please make him take your songs because 
I think he understands Alice very well. He gets the the happy medium, the balance. And like I said, great songs on Eyes Up, but Dirty Diamonds has some great gems on there. I think worth going back and listening to the album. And a Willie Nelson style kind of thing, Ballad of Jesse Jane with that humor, little yeah. Johnny Cash, little <laughs> Willie Nelson. That's that song, song is one of his most underrated songs. That and the song that didn't rhyme off of Eyes of Alice Cooper are two of his wittiest songs, uh, possibly, arguably. But I guess I forgot Dirty, about that too, and that's a cool song. Dirty Diamonds, I think, is worth a listen, so that's why I wanted to mention it. So I'm going to go ahead and pick that as my favorite. My favorite song of the whole era, I'm going to go with the song that didn't rhyme, just because those lyrics are great, and I laugh every time I hear that damn song. So <laughs> Thanks for the twelve ninety nine. Yeah, and I do like the off. <laughs> I like the offbeat uh, drumming by Eric Singer on it too. Wrote a song, it was wrong From its very first conception Seemed I struggled on every line It wasn't fast, wasn't pretty Wasn't serious or witty The song that didn't rhyme The band couldn't wing it The singer couldn't sing it the drummer's always out of time The DJs were offended My union card suspended Billboard declared it a crime The melody blows In a key that no one can find The
All right, we've been, we've come to the end of the show. We've gone through the whole discography. I'm just gonna say we've covered a lot of ground, Baco. I'm gonna throw it at you. Uh, I know I've heard a couple things that I've kind of rethought about listening. What about you? Well, I'm definitely the noob in this group. Um, I don't know, maybe not noob's the right word, but the the least of the three when it comes to knowledge on Alice Cooper. But, um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I took some notes on, but probably starting with data. I want to check that out based on the things you guys were saying. It sounds like I'm missing something there that I might enjoy. Um, I kind of like the, the different stuff. But, uh, well, if you go and, and listen to it, definitely there's an old, really old uh, Decibel Geek episode, too, where they actually interview Dick Wagner, um, one of those albums Unleashed. So if you hear that afterwards, you may, mm-hmm. even, may even appreciate it more. Cool. So, but... Uh, yeah, what about you, Joey? Oh, that's a great question, by the way. I, I definitely would have asked that question if I had thought hard about it. I, I was curious as to what first album Baco was going to go after. So, And please, Baco, definitely, yeah, Dada is a good one and definitely Dirty Diamonds. I think out of this conversation, I would recommend that one to you as well. Well, Dirty Diamonds is in my house, so I can check that out right pretty on. quickly. <laughs> right on, right on. And, uh, yeah, that Decibel Geek interview with Dick Wagner was great. I interviewed Dick Wagner a few years ago, too. I had the honor of doing that. We talk about some Alice stuff on there, too, but it's, like, about his whole life and music. And check out those Alice Cooper episodes as well. So, And you guys are both going to go back and kind of give a long came a spider a second chance, right? <laughs> Never. No. I, it's impossible. I can, I, 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 it's I gone. can find better shit on Chinese democracy than I can on a long came a spider because I like at least one song on Chinese democracy. Correct. So it yeah, has that I, going I that. for it. That. That'll be our next episode because I like most of the whole record. So. Oh my God. Not again. We just ended up with a two part guns of roses where we yelled at each other for basically uh, two hours. But listen, we, we hope our listeners before we go into another uh, tangent have yeah. uh, hopefully enjoyed it. Maybe you rediscover something uh, in, in Alice's catalog, but why don't we just summarize where they can find you, Joey, and we'll say goodbye. Um, yeah, the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. It's hosted by cnjradio.com, or you can go uh, search Rock Strikes 10 on iTunes. It's free, just like any of these other great rock and roll podcasts like Overs and Fire. And uh, listen, like, subscribe, and share. That's my, that's my motto. All right. So until next time, remember, Rock's not dead. <laughs> God damn it. Hold on. <coughs> not dead. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Until next time, (laughs) Rock's not dead. It's hiding, and you found it. Well done. All right, friends, let's finish this. Six episodes. That was a lot to take on. But we're done. We hope fans of all different levels of Alice Cooper have enjoyed this. Possibly you've learned some new, new tracks you haven't heard of before. It's been a blast. We've also got a little surprise for y'all. We are going to feature a clip, courtesy of Decibel Geek, of an interview with Dick Wagner. Because we've referenced him so much on the show, and it is a really great interview. We're going to play a segment, basically the first 15 minutes of an interview they did with him on an episode called Albums Unleashed, which is episode 134 of Decibel Geek. And they break down Dada, the theories behind the concept of it. So if you like what you hear, definitely go to Decibel Geek and listen to the rest of the episode. It's an hour-plus interview. And if you're not familiar with Decibel Geek already, the hosts that are doing the interview are Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Now, new listeners who have come on board, like mentioned earlier, check out our Facebook page or just hit the subscribe button. Go give us a five-star review on iTunes. Everything helps us, and we think you'll 
Love the show. Same genre. Now let's finish this episode with a track off of the Hollywood Vampires album, which is a medley of Schools Out and another Brick in the Wall, which they've basically been doing live for quite some time now. Again, thanks for listening. From myself, Baco, Joey, and all the guest stars we've had in the show. See you next time. Well, we got no choice. All you girls and boys. Making all that noise. Cause I found new toys. Well, we can't salute ya. Can't find a flag. The bad don't suit ya.
but let's get to our talk with Dick Wagner. This is Dada, Albums Unleashed. Let's do it. such strange circumstances yeah that's why we wanted to talk to you about this because you're basically the principal songwriter on this album I am and I play guitar and bass okay and so kind of take us back to how this got this album got going because from what I remember reading um, Alice was in Arizona and was really not interested in doing an album at the time and you had to didn't Ezrin basically send you down there to get him to come up to Toronto for this that's right that's right. So he was supposed to make one more album for Warner Brothers. And so it was the last album for Warner Brothers, and he was not going. He and Ezra were having a kind of a fallout about whether he would record in Toronto or whether they would come down to Phoenix and record down there. Yeah. Bob wanted him to be in Toronto. Bob didn't want to leave his family and his surroundings. Alice didn't want to leave his family and his surroundings. There was no material written yet, and so they were at a crossroads there, and Warner Brothers needed one more album. So Bob called me up and he said, uh, look, will you go to Phoenix and try to get Alice to write and get him to commit to coming to Toronto to record? Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, I'll do it. I think I was living in, uh, I forget where I was living at the time. Might have been New York, I'm not sure, but I went, I went to Phoenix and went to Alice's house and I stayed there with him and every day I'd bring out the guitar the keyboard and I'd start writing and I started coming up with titles and I started thinking about this is his last Warner Brothers album so let's have a character called Formerly Warner mm-hmm. so that's where that comes yeah. from that's the, you know, <laughs> when you formerly, said that to me earlier Formerly Warner like Brothers right because yeah. he's about to be done with that so he was, this is going to be an album about leaving Warner Brothers you know, in some way. Right. So, I came up with this title, and a couple of other titles from this album, and started writing songs. And Alice wasn't doing anything. I mean, he was just, I don't know if he was like immobile at the time or really seriously not interested, but he finally came out of vegetation and came into the living room where I was writing and started writing with me. And so the songs started to roll out, and uh, we created a few songs. In the meantime, Alice's manager uh, came up with 90 grand from someone, from Warner Brothers maybe, I don't know, but to entice Alice to go ahead and make this record. Yeah. So he got the money. I got him starting writing songs, and together he and I went to Toronto. And it was the winter time in Toronto. It's unpleasant in the winter time in Toronto, well, especially coming from Arizona. Yeah, yeah, that's a shock. Exactly, coming up, you know, laying by the pool, and right, all that. So we go to Toronto and we rent this uh, two-bedroom suite. In, in, I think it was in the Hilton Hotel. So he had one room and I had another, and there was a living room in between, where we could get together and do a little bit of writing. So we would write a song. And then the next day, record it. 
but we were really getting drunk every night and just drinking all this vodka, vodka, vodka. So both of you were in pretty excessive well, on the, the drinking at that I'm point. telling you, I, I wasn't. I'm not a drinker at all. I still don't drink. Uh huh. But I was trying to go along with the program here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, keep him happy and keep him writing, and it was working. So was he very temperamental at this point, like as far no. as getting him to work on things? No, not at all. He's always very, very cool about that because he, he likes to write too. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time that Alice and I spent time really talking about his life, my life, you know, like becoming really closer friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through a lot of revelations, which, which I won't go into here, but uh, we got to know each other much more. We're always very successful at writing because it just comes so naturally. And we think alike and we have the same kind of humor. And so we, we've got a bunch of songs finished, recorded. We go down the next day, go to the studio, record, we finish. We go back to the hotel and go down to the dining uh, lounge area where we'd have dinner. And then uh, usually every night we'd go over to the piano, and I'd play piano, and he and I would sing. You know, some of the hits or whatever we would think of to entertain all the people in the, wow. in the lounge. So the people in the lounge had no idea no. that they were in what they were in for when they were hanging no. out in there. No. <laughs> Was there a lot of people there that had like no idea who you guys even were? Oh I, no, they, I think pretty much everybody knows Alice Cooper. Yeah. His face is very recognizable. Right. They don't know me from Adam, but they're learning to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'd go play the piano and sing. It was great. People responded. They loved it. We'd do that. We'd drink. We'd sing. We'd play. Then we'd go upstairs to the suite and write. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was working. The um, album was working. At this diner, we would there were these two waitresses, one a tall, blonde, beautiful blonde. One a tall, redhead, beautiful redhead. And they wore these black dresses that were slid up the side all the way up to their ass. <laughs> and they were they they would wait on us. They were very lovely. One night we're back at the hotel upstairs and we were gonna write a song about these two girls. So the concept, yeah, Scarlet and Sheba. Mm-hmm. Right. Came up. The blonde was Sheba and the Scarlet was the redhead. So we wrote, we were writing the song, we wrote the song and then it was time to drink heavily and then go to bed. So at like 10 o'clock in the morning, there's a knock on the door of the uh, the suite. And I heard the knocking and I, I got out, went to the front door, opened it up, and here were the two girls mm-hmm. standing there. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. Each one of them holding a piece of black forest tree. And they said, do you want a piece? <laughs> <laughs> There's some temptation for and you. And I'm going like, there's a double entendre there. Yeah. yeah. So I said, come on in. Come on in. And Alice come out of his room and set the girls down and said, listen, we wrote a song about you. <laughs> You're immortalized.
so we'll sing it for you. And we did. And Scarlet and Sheba from that album. Yeah. And it's really about the dominatrix kind of sex. And, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, you tell you from know, the lyrics for sure. the girls were like, oh my God, wow. Were they flattered they or liked mortified? It or? <laughs> I think they were mortified. <laughs> they were mortified, but they were flattered by sure. it. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they, they came there to get laid, and they didn't get laid. Oh. But they got a song written about them. But they got a song oh, written yeah. about them, you know. So, um, no, the policy was, you know, we, we didn't, didn't really have women coming around to disturb the writing and create problems. And Alice was married at the time. I mean, Mary at the time still is. Right. But um, the same girl, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going to do anything with these girls anyway. Me, might have. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but we were basically just being good guys right. and, and write, writing a song about these girls, which we recorded that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's part of the Dada album, too, the Scarlet and Sheba story. That's one of my favorite uh, songs on the record. Yeah, I kind of love the the Middle Eastern vibe you, yeah. you put in on that. Where did that I, where did that sound come from? Edwin created it on something. Now you were mentioning a synthesizer. You, you mentioned Alice and Bob were having a stalemate about where they wanted to record this thing. Did did that boil over into the studio? Were they not getting along while this no, was no, being they made? were fine. They, they were, were fine. okay. Once we got to Toronto and got locked in the fact that we were doing it. There's no problem. Good. Okay. No problem. There's always creative process. Right. So it's all we do is creating. I was doing a little more on the production side on this record, and uh, I played all the guitars and I played bass on the record. Mm-hmm. So I, I did quite a bit on this record, including write, writing it. And uh, I, I love the songs on Dada. I mean, I, I think that they're just really uh, experimental and beautiful, and they have no purpose in life commercially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, you can tell that for sure. There's nothing. To, we didn't make any attempts to like write a hit song or or do any of that. It was just this concept of the old man in the attic. That's what I was gonna say. Because at that time, you know, Bob Ezrin's pretty known for like coming, getting together with bands and doing these concept albums, like albums that tell a whole story yeah. within it. You know, like The Wall, like uh, Music from the Elder from Kiss. And this album, Dada, seems to really have some kind of like a theme to it, where it's like a concept album. Does this, does it, it all fit together? Tell a story, more or less. I think it, yeah, it does. You know, and really, it's it's all about the, um, it's all from the idea of being formerly with Warner Brothers. This was the slap in the face for Warner Brothers, but with this character in the attic. So you guys felt like, you know, since you really didn't give two shits about what Warner Brothers thought about you at this point, that you're free to do pretty much whatever you want, right? Oh, yeah, right? and we did. It was a very loose album in the sense that it had no hits. It had no attempt to be successful. It was just the music we wanted to make every day. Yeah, because Warner didn't get behind it at all promotion-wise. They just buried it, basically. That was it. That was the last album. It was yeah. So you guys kind of knew when you were making it, they're not going to push this anyway, right? Well, we kind of figured they wouldn't. Right, right. So, um, yeah, because I was going to ask you about the theme of it, because there's a lot of interesting theories out there about the concept of this album. Mm-hmm. Because Alice hasn't talked at length about it. And there's, what, what, what are the, uh, well, there's, the theories? Uh, there's one I brought. This guy wrote a very long thing about what he thought each song meant. And I'm not going to read the entire thing verbatim. Let me read it. Well, 
Well, I mean, I'll tell you, it's like he says, Dada, the al- all right, the opening track, Dada, he says, the creeping opening with Bob Ezrin talking to Alice, apparently pretending to be a psychologist, asking about the man's son, Sonny. Right. When he applies that Sonny is the man's daughter, showing the dehumanizational tactics his dad uses to break Sonny emotionally. That's pretty close. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think this guy, if this isn't true, it's a great concept if you didn't come up with it. Well, I think that that's pretty much what it was. Well, the, th- the, the main theory he had was this is basically a story of a, a, of a mentally disturbed person with multiple personalities, yeah. and the songs kind of represent these different personalities. Yeah, I guess maybe you could say that, too. Right. Um, not so much being a multiple personality, but being completely mixed up about who he was. Right. He didn't know if he was the daughter or the son. I mean, he, he wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Neither was the father, the old man. They didn't quite know what, what gender he was. Or, and, and that's really the story of Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, whether he's a woman or a, girl, or, a, or a man when he first started out. You know. Yeah, the androgynous thing. Right, the yeah. androgynous thing. So. Right. Well, and then, you know, like, uh, one song that's interesting is Enough's Enough. Yeah. Um, Love song. The, uh, it's it's kind of a it sounds like a lighthearted song musically. Yeah, it's upbeat. But the yeah. subject matter is very stark in contrast. Yeah. You know, because about a man basically whoring his child out. Isn't is that? I mean, well, not that. Really. He's he's cruel to his son. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm talking about his mother dying and and stuff like that. Yeah, it just, what his dad did to his mother. Okay. You know, so the son is reflecting on. What the dad did to the mother, and therefore to him, and right. enough, enough, enough. You know, I've had enough of your dad. So, yeah, because like the line, "Go fucking fuck and make a buck." I mean, like yeah. some people are like, "Is that child prostitution, or, or what does that mean?" You know, it's a. Uh, I guess it could be. It wasn't really thought of that way, and I think that really, really the words are "go buck and buck and make a buck." Gotcha. Go buck. Okay. Yeah, but it sounds like fun. Yeah, because yeah, it does sound like fun. Because I'm thinking for 1983, that's pretty damn controversial. Yeah, you know? yeah. Go <laughs> so. fuck and fuck and make a buck. Yeah. No, I think it was buck. He was a little cowboy, so. Right. Go buck and buck and make a buck. Right. Yeah. I got that you. That was dad's command to him to go off and, you know, do whatever and make a dollar, whatever. Right, right. And then on. But, but it's interpreted as fuck and fuck, and so it's, you know, child prostitution. So it got. That's, no, it wasn't meant that way. It was misinterpreted. Okay. Misinterpreted. So I'm glad we have you here to clear up some of this stuff. Yeah, okay. Okay, so for Formerly Warmer, which you've already explained what that, behind that, this guy's theory, because I think you'll want to hear this. He says, again, we have the father's perspective, describing the family secret that his brother is some kind of fa- some kind of hideous freak locked in an attic, and he's sound he hears through the walls like an out-of-tune piano slowly driving him crazy. No, not really. Not really. <laughs> okay. Is that is that character that's in the attic, you know, and, and saying that, you know, based on the idea that this is a character-driven, you know, these songs are very character-driven, yeah. is that supposed to be the same guy from Welcome to My Nightmare? Like the Stephen? one in the attic? Is that Steven? 
Is there a tie-in there? Well, it could be. I mean, you know, I mean, you could look at it that way, but I don't think it was meant that way. I mean, once again, this started from me sitting there and getting this idea of formerly warmer as being formerly Warner Brothers. Right. You know, so, so it starts from that. And then Alice actually made it a character in the attic, so. Okay. Pulls up the colors to hide in his wrinkled bed. No dreams go in, no dreams go out of the hole in his wrinkled head. When I first started writing it, I had no idea it was going to be a character in the attic. Mm -hmm. It was just a song title to get us, get the whole thing rolling. Mm -hmm. You hear it in the uh, in the, the uh, interaction between Bob and Alice on the introduction. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the psychiatrist talking to the guy, and he has no idea who he is, whether his son is a male or female. He he's seriously whacked. Right. Because like you said, you know, he says, you know, I have a son. No, you don't. You know, yeah. like that. You, know, you have a daughter. Yeah. No. So this is the guy in the attic, and he's, he's obviously a musician. He plays this old piano thing. Mm -hmm. he's, he has a hole in his head for some reason. I forget what that's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, you mentioned the, on the, the opening track. I gotta say, I didn't hear this album when I was a child when this came out. Good thing. I, good I, thing you didn't. <laughs> and it's a good thing I didn't, because that's one of the scariest sounding things, is that opening track. Oh. And what is, it, what is causing that ricochet sound? on that song without the, the reverberating sound that, like the slamming sound on what, what, what did you guys do to make that sound you know I don't remember how, how that happened I mean was that something Ezrin had pretty much put together yeah, it's, it's Ezrin's thing probably yeah. yeah and that's his daughter doing the dada yeah yeah, uh -huh. that's yeah. It. he loves to get his kids involved in his albums he always he? does <laughs> yeah. yeah you know to me it's that's very self indulgent but Bob you did a great job Right. Yeah. Well, for people that don't know, what is it like to work to work on an album with him? It's a, a mixed blessing. I mean, I love the guy. He's a great producer. Um, we've had our conflicts, but at the same time, you know, we've shared a great history. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he calls me the guy he is most called upon musician during the '70s and '80s. Absolutely. And that's true. He relied on me for a lot of things, right. from arranging to songwriting to guitar playing to just being a general part of the direction of where things went. He's very, uh, what would you call it, um, dominant in the studio. He wants everything under his control. Right. And his control methods with me a few times were a, a little excessive. But We're talking like lots of takes on certain things till he got it the way he wanted it? No, I'm just... Uh, Attitudes, right. do it my way, or you know. Or that's it. Yeah. It seems like you know, and and you don't tell me to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, I'm very much an individual, and I've got my own feelings about my songs, and um, some of the songs were complete, and things were added. Not that they're bad; they're good. But mm -hmm. you know, I always came to the table with a lot of music. Right. And uh, I think I, I got a lot of it in there. Yeah. 
seems like Bob has like a picture or something in, in his vision and he's unwavering from that. It's like, this is what I picture, well, this is what the way you it got has is to you be. Got, you got Alice Cooper, who has vision. Right. right. You have Bob Ezrin, who has vision. Mm-hmm. And you Dick have Wagner. me, who yeah. has vision. So That's a lot. Most of those visions come together into one thing. Yeah. It's not often easy. Right. It takes a lot of work. And some That's conflict fun. comes along with and that. And there's conflict with it, but you have to have conflict with conflict resolution right you know and so we always tried to find a way mm-hmm. and we always did right you know so there's no hard feelings about anything well the results speak for themselves yeah right? and the results speak for themselves I mean a lot of these records I wish I'd sold more yeah just for me not for the money but for so people could hear some of this music well it's the art you want to you want people to because hear the there's, art. A, there's some you know if you dig down into some of these records there's some really great stuff absolutely oh yeah yeah and uh, I think it's kind of cool that's what that's basically what we're doing here today sure it's been many many years since this album's came out but you know that's what we try to do when we're talking about you know these albums we're talking to guys like yourself and say hey you know that might have been quite a while ago but these albums if you put it on for the first time it's still brand new to you you know, you, you owe right. it to yourself That's to check right. it out, and we want to bring more information about some yeah. of these lost gems that, you know, yeah. when people talk about Alice Cooper, you know, a lot of times they don't bring up the Dada album, you know, because it's kind of lost, in, kind of lost in the discography it, yeah, a little yeah, bit. It's down there. It's not the most popular or the biggest w- seller, and, but it's got a certain genius to it. That, yeah. yeah, and I will say it's, it's becoming a cult favorite because yeah. if you read online, I, people that are discovering Alice just now saying I just found that out and it's amazing you know because yeah. uh, people are, are starting to finally embrace it it is amazing you know? it's an amazing record. and it come it came out at a time where it definitely does not sound like a 1983 album I mean no. I don't know what era it sounds but it's got its own sound to it it, it has no uh, era you know? it, I don't no. think it has any era involved in it at I mean all. you can't even really pin it down to a genre even you can't say this no. is a hard rock album or this is this or no, this is isn't. that I mean you can't no. peg, you can't pin it down it's like it's like a the Dada era, it's just there and it's real and it stands on its own, it has no, it's ageless, I think. That record has no age to it.